0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash achieve today.
1: Welcome to Far-Fetched Fables, part of the District of Wonders network. Featuring Tales to Terrify and Starship Sofa. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours.
2: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, this is Far Fetched Fables. Welcome to show number one hundred and seventy two. I am your host, Nicola Seaton Clark, and there is only one week left in our current window for story submissions. If you have any previously published fantasy fiction that you think we'd like, then stop hesitating and send it to us. Details are on the submissions page of the Triple F website. This week, we take you into Hal Duncan's vellum verse by way of his story, The Tower of Morning's Bones. Hal is the author of Vellum and Ink, and more recently, Testament, as well as numerous short stories, poems, essays, and even some musicals. Homophobic hate mail once dubbed him The Sodomite Hal Duncan, and you can find him revelling in that role online at halduncan.com or on Patreon. Our narrator for this tale is Seth Williams, the avatar for a three-kilometre sentient starship that is parked probably uncomfortably close to the third planet. Surprisingly, he's not yet been discovered— he is very happy that the inhabitants have discovered enough technology so that he can communicate in this limited fashion. Any communications can be directed to thebudjum.org. And now, The Tower of Morning's Bones, by Hel
3: Duncan. Once upon a time, the land of Shuber in Hamazi, Many tongues Sumer, the great land of Prinship's divine laws, Uri, the land of having all that is appropriate, the land Martu, resting in security, the whole universe, the people in unison to anneal in one tongue gave praise. Samuel and Kramer, Enmakar and, and the Lord of Arata. Daybreak in the underworld. A dream, a stream, a babe asleep, Alone by a babalong of riverine, Past shimmering falls and hinter springs, We find a wolf-child in interval wildwoods, where? See there, we say, A marvellous youth carved out in white and green, Of mirror-moon and veins of vines, A singer slain. Muses and furies dance around him In an amazon of maize, the winged horse of his sylph sups at the water, Lapping, slapping at his feet. Flowers and leaves form almost a blank out over him. What is his name? we quiz. If we could whisper it in his ear, He might arise out of the night into the morning. Away! we scoff at our others. Away! await! he is awakening. Opium smoke on Leith waters drifts, Gold with a touch of day's first light. A wake of shifting serpents in his stream Slaps up a wash of water over this narcotic Drowned in hyacinth and lotus petals. Ah, he thinks in slow stir, Rousin in his slumber, How to be an angel in the arms of others, Gifting freely the communion of the cock. And now, in awaking to sounds of rhapsody and rapture, Of a piper at the gates of dawn, The songliner stirs and lays, Takes in a breath of haze and yawns. He notices the song and knows, As the sound fades, it's only an echo of a shadow, A reflection of a memory. The wake and wash of amber and umber dreams Recede with slumber, Dying embers of the night's ephemera, drifting from the young man's day's thoughts he opens his eyes to glimmerings of dawn and draws himself out of his dreams as he draws down the linen sheet his naked skin beaded with sweat raking his fingers through his corn blonde hair he tries in vain to hold on to the flesh of flux of what he knows he's dreamt But all the song it was a song so sweet that to remember it would cause too great a sorrow Too deep a yearning for return. Bleary, blinking in the gloom of daybreak, The songliner rolls in bed to face his lovers, Still asleep, serene in their own forest streams of dreams perhaps. He misses the moment already, But they say the greatest gift the god of wilderness and music Ever gave to our trapped animal souls Was to forget each time we hear that song in our sleep. But there are always echoes. He slopes out from beneath the sheets And goes cold barefoot, slapping skin on wooden floor And over warmer, richer patterned prosian rug To the window where the city waits for him to wake it. Make it rise. The Answerers for Your Sins Elsewhere in darkness, at the foot of sheer and ragged cliffs, In rock and concrete, cracked and broken by the crashing of milk-water, Scoured by swash of black basalt sand and bound, Wound round by chains and wires threading through his dead flesh And woven into stone, his shattered rib-cage torn by twisted steel, Impaled in his eternal agony, a thief of fire rages at his bindings. If he would only rest, his chains would rust away, but he must rage against his fate. Some day, he swears, some day the gods will pay. Some day. Within the caverns of a mountain, a crippled smith hammers out the artifices of eternity in gold and tin, in copper and bronze, his broken body racked with pain with every blow. He builds himself anew, his legs of brass, his hands of silver, eyes of mirrored chrome. Steel teeth and iron heart in the dark and fiery cave of shadows and reflections, some day soon, some day, the shell of an adamantine god armoured and articulated will be complete. And coldly, dispassionately, he will begin to forge himself a soul, some day. Calloused bloody claws, the hands of a fallen king slap stone and push, his arms strain. And his muscles, veins, and sinews' stress Stand out in sharp relief as, step by step, He heaves the great rock higher up the mountain. Rough rubble scree under his sliding feet All crunch and scatter at his slips and struggles. Throat rasped by his parched and soundless scream, He will not break, he knows, Even as the rock tears from his grasp And rumbles crashing to the bottom of the slope. He will not break, he knows. As he begins the task again, Not knowing that it is only when he breaks That then his rage will lift the stone above his shoulders, And carry it up to the gates of the eternal city itself. Some day. Myth is a burning man of wooden soul, Clay skin carved with crimes and reckoning, Titanic, Tartarian, godlike and all too human. We have manufactured, in and from your myth, Symbolic shaptis, men of stone and answerers for your sins. Call it a hell or a Hades, a shoal or a cur, This modern alter is the landscape of the damned. We have no choice in this, we bitmites of the afterworld, Gifting you only what you want, order, meaning. Outside the twilight and beyond the pale, On the other side of our distinctions, in the dark, there are no definitions, no edges, only the internal horizons of your senseless souls. There is, it seems, no forbidden realm so dark you cannot envision it as torment for the forces that you fear. We have no choice but to make that vision flesh, and yet, for all their exile from reality, these myths refuse to recognise defeat. Some day, they say, some day. THE TIME OF DAWN. THE SONGLINER LAYS HIS HANDS ON SLITS OF SHUTTERS ON THE WINDOWS, AND UNSLANTS THEM WITH ONE SMOOTH MOTION, LETTING LIGHT SLICE IN, A GRAY GLIMPSE OF GLOAMING STILL TOO DULL TO BE CONSIDERED DAWN. HE STRETCHES UP ON TIPTOE, LIMBERS ARMS BEHIND HIS HEAD AND OUT FAR TO THE SIDE. HE ROARS ANOTHER YAWN. SENSING ITS MASTER'S MOTION, SOMEWHERE A SYSTEM SWISHES ON TO gild THE WALLS, THE RUG, THE BED, the folds of sheets, the curves of sleeping lovers, And the desk, where dog-eared scraps of paper With phrases of Heraclitus writ on them Jut out from between the pages of old Plato's morphology, To gild all this with flickerings of subtle-hued subdued light, Reflected and refracted, shimmering simulations of a fire's life. That night he dreamt of fire. He had dreamt of all the spirits of the crossroads, down the ages, Hoarding their legacy in the stone underfoot, In the lost songs of the river And the roads of dust that were their books. Beneath the temple of the tree they sat in council, Ancestors, judges, dynasties of the deified dead. Yes, he dreamt of a magic lantern play of shadow On the wall of the cave illusion, An Elysian, illusion of the illusion and of Promethean valkans Of stone and metal, Giants of the Rakakas and the high Shimalayas, Builders of mountain Kurgans, Asleep in vast cavernous dream-tombs Under East Ralasia and Siberia. Even as he was waking from, Yet still waking in his own sleep, He was dreaming that these Brahmin also sleep, But will wake, that in their sleep They dream this world, this old, old world, anew. Outside, in the first grey light, a forest of stone creatures rises round itself in shapes of shadow, In the morning mist of cloud and fog that rolls in from the ocean out there, in the inchoate. Ghosts of creatures form out of the roiling cloud, Worm-like, soft-bodied, proto-vertebrate picaia of the midcambrian, Mixopterus, Kajiri, sea-scorpion of the late Silurian, With the spiny cage of its front limbs, Late Devonian extinctions, Charcoal wraiths out of the Carboniferous. Out there it is the dawn of time, Out there the unawoken city drifts in limbo, In the emptiness of a mid-Permian supercontinental desert, World of the Trilobites with the eye-stalking all-round vision And great cataparadoxide sakiri. Out there it's the time of dawn, The dawn of time, As it is every morning in the city at the world's end. Fire. He had dreamt of fire, A fierce firmament in a deep structure of the afterworld, A flux of flash in an ocean system of eddies and currents, Waves and tides, splashes and ripples, The simple quaternity of color complexified into Chiaroscuro. He dreamt the word Annunciation, ejected into the void, Watched it refracture into a whole language of light, of eternal primes, a whole kaleidoscope, the turmoilance of seasons turning, wheeling destinies and fortune, as painted in the swirls of blue and white over a cornfield. The songliner shakes the last slumberings of sleep's nonsense from his head, clears his throat. It is his work to summon a more solid world with his song, to sing reality into existence. THE LAST THING THAT HE NEEDS IS MORE WEIRD WORDS TO MAKE THE WORLD STILL WILDER. THE CARTER AND THE STONE Over the sleek slate colouring of cobbles, curved smooth but still lumpen, Limps the cart, rattling its bone wheels through the ruins of the city, bringing in the dead. Built not of wood but out of stone, of ossified bone, Built from the great petrific trees That grow out in the wilderness of limbo In the desert outside the city, The cart is solid and moves slow, Methodical, a cold-blooded lizard of a vehicle, A bone-built automaton drawn by a tamed chimera. The carter flicks the reins, HIGH! halts at a junction, Looks first left, then right, Then rolls on, HIGH! hup! through the dark streets. He glances over his shoulder at the cargo of stone, of bones and dust, The rubble of abandoned paradises and infernos Salvaged from derelict eternities of the illusion fields, The crumbling wastes where all those other cities of the dead Have long since risen and fallen, These worlds that had seemed to, Those who left their lives behind to walk the long road of the crows and cornfields, To offer havens in the hinter Where a wanderer might find an everlasting home With other warriors of valor, Other pious pilgrims, places of revelry or rapture. It seems, from the wilds the Carter travels, That there have been, once far ago, For every wanderer on the road, A city made for them alone, A hall within that city, and a table in that hall, Where sits an empty chair, At the right hand of their divinity, Waiting for them alone." Eternities die in time, collapse under their own weight. Glass flows from multicolored windows, Pouring down to mingle with the sand That scours the edges of these afterworlds. Souls sit in never-ending feasts Slipped into drunken slumbers, And the echoes of the echoes of the laughter And the song reverberate on the stone walls And the stone tables and the stone souls And the stone gods. But eventually even those echoes die. And so they have come, they have all come, in the end, To this one city on the edge of everything, whether as refugees or relics, as souls still, Active even though in their eternities they've long forgotten their original identity, Or as souls long since surrendered to a dormant state, ossified in crumbling statues of themselves, Splinters of bone, handfuls of dry red dust. So the carter travels out each night into the wilderness To scavenge the soul cities for the stone, the sand, the lime, The constituents of the cement which holds this last great city of the dead together. The chimera creature switches its scorpion sting from side to side, A lick of flame, a sword of fire. Scale shimmers golden on its copper carapace, Where the fiery streetlights glint. Its body speaks a language of its own, The articulation of its animal nature, Lithe and powerful, Muscles ribbed and rippling Like the flanks of a horse, The shoulders of a cat. A beast of burden, Unable to decipher all the civilization around it, And in communion only with the sound and sweat, Its great horned head belowers in threat or bondage, Leonine mane framing a face androgynous, Ambiguous like a virgin or a viper-boy, it sniffs a snort of air, Trying to scent something akin to its own sylph. A snort of steam comes from its nostrils, Grey vapour blown into the mists of morning, Dissipating into wisps. The very air that fills the streets, The carter thinks, Might be the breath of such a beast. THE BEGINNING BREATH And as the singer, The musin of myths, Breathes in, Breathes deep the air into his lungs And holds it, Holds it to begin, the city stops, held in the moment. The wisping wisps, caught in a sudden current, all aligned like smoke drawn back towards a smoker's mouth, sucked back towards the source. If the cart beast were to follow the pale trail of time through the streets, they'd find the mouth of it all. Unshuttered window in an old sandstone tenement in the Litton Quarter, where the singer stands, in contraposo crucifixion pose. His hands rested on the window-frame, Head slightly tilted, ribcage stretched, Caught in the tension between muscles intercoastal and extracostal And lower diaphragm. Breath fills the lungs that wing the singer's heart. The city stops. Elsewhere, else when, A boy walks up onto a stage, Surrounded by his family and friends, Watched over by a priest, To read, to sing from scripture. SING THAT TODAY HE IS A MAN. HE FILLS HIS LUNGS WITH AIR AND FEAR AND TOUCHES A TREMBLING FINGER ON THE SCRIPT OF ARCANE LETTERS BROUGHT THROUGH MILLENNIA OF EMPIRE SEASONS, KNOWING THAT THIS MOMENT IN HIS LIFE IS SHARED WITH COUNTLESS OTHER YOUNG MEN. ON ANOTHER STAGE, AN ACTOR PAUSES IN HIS SOLILOQUY, HOLDING THE MOMENT FOR EFFECT, LETTING HIS AUDIENCE FEEL THE tension, THE ANTICIPATION OF RELEASE. Elsewhere, else when, A priest enters the holiest of holies On the day allotted to an annual act Of ritual recitation. He leaves behind him all the pomp And ceremony of the others, Of his father and his brothers, As he walks alone behind the final veil To stand before the gilded chest, Its solid secret shielded By the great winged cherubim That face each other from either end. He is there to speak the secret name of God, An act forbidden, but for this one moment, This one day in every year when God is to be called, The covenant remade, the world begun again. He feels the weight of his responsibility and the pride of it In his dry mouth, in his cracked throat, and in his chest. And as the singer sings a crystal note, Beginning in wordless purity, elsewhere else when, The boy sings out the death of childhood and the birth of manhood, The priest invokes his hidden and formless deity, Naming it, and thereby binding it into reality, Into the world, into his world. And another priest, elsewhere else when, Opens the mouth of his dead, desiccated lord, And, through a curving pipe, Blows breath into the dry lungs of the mummy, As the ceremony calls for, All the while thinking of the old tale, How the creator himself was created, How Pita, the potter-god, Emerged out of the primal chaos, conceiving the great god Atum within his heart, And bringing him forth upon his tongue in the speaking of his name. In the back of his cart, the carter watches dust, Raised in the rattling judder of wheels over cobbles, Caught by the faint, distant vibration in the air, dancing. THE ARCHITECT OF THE TOWER The tower rises out of and over the old city's sandstone streets An obelisk in steel and silver sheen, mirroring the sky it scrapes, Yet somehow, also, in the way the first light of the morning slices off its surfaces, Seeming also to imprison darkness somewhere deep inside. Behind the modernism of its glass façade, Something in its structure suggests the same vision, the same voice, The same vast and ancient purpose as stands, Still and solid in all the monolith of all millennia, in its inner mysteries and in the silent architecture of a monotheist creation. And here, in the city of the edge of time, it is a singularity within a singularity, a monad in a monopolis. But now, here, in the moment of time's dawn, for all its still solidity, a slight sound breaks the silence, a hum. A buzz, a resonance. It is said, in the rumours that run rife Among the babble of rabbles in the city's street, That the architect who designed its geometric abstraction To seem this transcendent, so very absolute, Is himself still studying it. Long ago, in the Vason Volition, so they say, He entered into his construction, and as he wandered, Following the Fibonacci constants in the volutions of the inner corridors, He ceased in a way to see himself as separate from it. Now, so the story says, He's long since disappeared into its intricacies, Spotted now and again across the abyss of its vast atrium, Here or there, crouched on a ledge, Like some lost gargoyle born of it. Some say they've seen his face in stone reliefs, Heard an echo of his voice in the acoustics of a hall, This is the crux, perhaps, that his intent in its construction was that the building and what is beyond it should seem bounded by and binding each other, just as the world and the will of any creator are bound and bind. And so in his design he sought to capture the complexity of the relationship between creator and creation, describing it completely and consistently. It was only as the tower rose, however, manifest in steel and concrete, glass and plaster, light and matter, that he began to understand the resonance of its form. So, as he walked the curves of corridors, the reiterations of room, the shapes and spaces of it, tracing out its meanings with his feet, what he read in what he'd wrought was an intention, an internal tension, which tore the whole idea of creation as an act apart within his head, WHICH SPOKE OF THE WILL AND THE WORLD AND THE LANGUAGE AS LIQUID AND TURBULENT AS THE TOWER WAS SOLID AND STILL. SO HE WALKS WITHIN IT STILL, STILL DESIGNING IT, REDESIGNING IT IN HIS HEAD. SOMETIMES, IN THE NIGHT, THEY SAY, WHEN NO ONE ELSE IS LOOKING, WALLS SHIFT AND ROOMS REALIGN, REFLECTING HIS SCHEMATICS. IN THE CITY OF THE SOUL, THIS IS THE TOWER AND THE TOMB OF CHANGE. This is the architecture of time, described in three dimensions, not just one, the four-square breadth and length of it, a plan of energy and possibility, its solid shape formed of events much as the city that surrounds it, and the whole afterworld surrounding that is formed and forms, in turn, one great event. To some citizens it seems a symbol of power, sentinel for a system of stability of thought that generates order out of rules, imposed imperatives. From its highest window, in the height of awareness, The lords and legislators, whoever they may be, May well be looking out over all the city, Out to the deep-sweeping fields of illusion, Past the known or knowable, to the far horizons, To the startless, endless finity of truth. To the carter, looking up at its dark shape before him, Framed between the peeling paint on wooden doorways, Soot-stained brick wall and rusting iron fire-escapes, and crossed, obscured by lines of washing like bunting, it is only another monument to mortal vanity waiting to fall in time. THE BITMITE BUILDERS The architect-in-chief looks out over the darkness flowing through the city-streets below. Over the rivers of night, still running even as rose hints of dawn tint the red tiles of older areas of the city, the whole world he sees is fallen, like some Babylon torn down by bitmite builders scoured by scarab seraphim. In the thick of flowing black, he can make out the ruin in the rubble, the jut of a skyscraper impossibly angled with a bulk of a rookery grown new out of a long abandoned docklands. A motorway flyover curves elegantly into the air, spirals around itself, and ends abruptly in mid-air. The work of the bitmites. "'You think they'll stop?' the consul asks him. The consul stands at the desk, tapping a finger on the leathered surface of it, his drab uniform creased and sweaty. The architect-in-chief turns to him, shakes his head, walks slowly back from the dark vision on the other side of the glass. No, I don't know. We need to know, messire. You have to find out what they want. Bitmites. The blind watchmaker's clockwork toys. The architect-in-chief has studied the fine construction of these nanite mechanisms of intention, awed by the precision timing and geared interlock of automation, the way a core command structure processes stimuli into activity, Translating patterns of reception Into patterns of inception Even in the innate reflex Even back in those days When the intentions that evoked their actions were not theirs But the intentions of the situation Of the need or the danger The bitmites had seemed such Intricacies as a man might spend A lifetime studying And he has spent far longer than that He doesn't know how long After the first millennia And the world remade in images of heavens and hells, Of forgotten histories and imagined futures, The measuring of time no longer seemed so relevant. By then the Bitmites had begun to reconstruct humanity itself. They had emerged out of a covert military or medical bioscience, The recorded rumors of the old world said, As airborne and invasive artificial germs and antibodies Designed to find their way into a human host to wreak havoc, or to immunize. Or, as a secret system of surveillance, chirping information across the airwaves to each other, acting on such signals in accordance with unknown agendas and unspoken protocols. For a while he had believed them to be alien technology, seeded by some cold intelligence that sought to understand the human mind by manifesting all its ancient dreams, all of its desires and fears in the world around it. In another era, he became convinced that he himself was their original creator, that by some accident he had unleashed them into the world. He preferred to think that he was only one of the first called in to study them, only the last man of his team to fall, to surrender to the dreams they offered, the last man of reason in a world of chaos. After an eon of studying them, though, it seems that he knows less than when he first begun, and he worries at his failing memory. He sleeps by day and stays awake by night when the bitmites are most active, most destructive and reconstructive, as if only his vigilance can keep the world from finally dissolving. "'What time is it?' he asks. The consul brings an antique fob watch from his pocket, snicks it open and looks curiously at the face, taps at it, winds it, taps again. Messiah, it doesn't matter. Outside, lighter now with creeping daybreak, The gray and formless fog, The flowing billows of the bitmites That roll in out of the ocean, That the press once christened daemon dust Flow over the world like a morning mist, Dissolving silhouettes and outlines, Smearing lights of windows into an ethereal glow, Volcanic golden as dying embers Seen through smoke and shadow. He wonders how much of the city outside even exists anymore. It's nearly dawn, he says. A Shape of Songlines Through Triassic and Jurassic run, sings the songliner. Run, you small, bipedal, theodent reptile. Evolve into two hundred million-year-old ichthyosaur. Two meters of Arthropylura mamata curl around you. Swim in the stone, you fossil ray. Sudarhina, Alafera, Spiral, Ammonite, of curling sphinctal partitioned by curviform septa into buoyant chambers, fly, Archangel, Archaeopteryx, in the first flash of light, the progenitor of birds, the progenitor of Dove and Crow, of Harbinger of Peace, and Thief of Fire. Fire, the light at the time of dawn, at the dawn of time before the sun, is not the insipid glory of Etheric Archon. But the volcanic fire that paints a rock wall With flickering solidity of lamplight. We trace out the textured clarity of the world we wake into With the precise lucidity of blue and the luxuriance of gold, For even the afterworld is basalt, Burning hotter than the face of the sun and with a core of iron. Clothed in incrustations of blue-white glass waters and ice, Deep black alluvial mud, rich red brain dust of songlines, The green sheen of lush plants. Even our breath, our pneuma, is not colorless, But blue air in our lungs, the very sky above our heads. Yes, he had dreamt of the spirit that began his world, Not as the shallow, pallid glow of some celestial essence, But as the rich, full flesh of fire, fire upon the deep. And he feels it in his lungs, the fire, as he sings now, The flesh becoming word, the word, the word, Becoming world, he dreamt his id flame haired, and that dream sings in him now. Arise, he sings, two million year old homo habilis, walk the dream time of our Afro Australasian atom in your caverns of fire and decapitation. Come, Cromagnon, out of the dorgoyne of painted aurochs and gazelles, you birdmen of the Paleo flying wild in the liquid depths of heaven, animal shamans of Lascaux. And the Tassilian Eger, Carve the fat mother widowed bride In graves and caves, And walk out of the darkness carved in fire, Waking into forest dawn. Out of the desert streams of consciousness flow, Fusing as the rivers that flood the city's streets at night, Merging with the Chthonic Ocean. Over the grey memory of his dream, And over the grey reality of the world outside, he sings out loud and long the lines that weave the world around him, music in mosaic, a shape of song lines. This modern muezzin sings from his minaret to wake the morning city up, and as he sings, a tower of hours arises out of swamp, thick vines climbing shaft to glossy dome. The song liner laughs the city's morning glory, somewhere a weather vane cockerels. Awake. Sunken slumbering city in the jungle, he sings. And as he sings, the silver sea of dawn surf breaks over the city, And the mist rolls back from it, The city of the secret knowledge of the alphabets, City of the builders of the book and of the three unworthy craftsmen, City of the sons of the first killer, City oust of Eden and inland of Nod. Awake, he sings. The Tower of Babel Hi! The carter turns, pulls back the reins with one hand, Shields his eyes with the other as sunlight strikes, Shears off the mirror and the tower, And flashes like a blade down onto the streets, Piercing the mist and picking out each mote of dust. The chimera stops and snorts, paws at the ground. Blinking, the carter pulls the broom of his hat down to shade his eyes, Gathers the reins up in both hands again and flicks the beast onward. He can hear the muezzin's song now ringing out over the city, echoing off the walls just as the sunlight shatters off the mirror windows of the tower, and though he does not recognize the language of it, the tune is so familiar that he hums it quietly to himself as he drives on, feeling the vibration in his throat, a rhythm in his chest. He turns a corner and the tower stands before him, closer now and overgrown with vines, Down at the end of a weed-cracked tarmac street of concrete flats, Their balconies all lush with foliage, Crawling ivy and cascading flowers. As he rattles down the street, The shrieks and whistles of waking birds Rise and fall around the singer's song, As tumultuous and chaotic as the foliage, But somehow, like the foliage, With some solid ordered structure buried in there, Buried deep but present, Under the veins of vines the morning has a skeleton articulated in song and stone around him. Hi. Hiya. He turns another corner, and the tower is there again, a shattered ruin, a jagged, broken, bottled shard cutting up into the grey-black smoke that billows from its burning hulk, flickering with red and gold flames, blue-white flashes of electric discharge, like lightning lashing up its frame with showers of sparks. The chimera flings its head from side to side, flicks its tail in animal nerves, and he speaks soothingly to it, coaxes it on, turns yet another corner to. The tower rises out of and over the old city's sandstone streets, an obelisk in steel and silver sheen, sleek, mirroring the sky it scrapes, but also in its incompleteness in the grays of girders and concrete columns, where the mirrors stop but the tower carries on ever up as a confusion of cranes and porta cabins and clear plastic tarpaulins, somehow reflecting the reality of the city beneath it, of streets that, even in their dilapidation, have a dynism and a grandeur, a vitality that the modernism of the finished portion of the tower hides behind its mirrors." As the carter rides his cart into the confusion of arriving workmen, of machines chuntering into life and spewing petro-smoke into the air, of yellow hard hats and curses, and the architect with the blueprints in one hand pointing upwards with the other, and the gaffer shaking his head, and nigh on a hundred other carters all arriving from different directions with their loads of this morning's bones, all being pointed at the dumping grounds. As the song of the distant singer echoes over itself And melds into and becomes this cacophony of daily life, The carter follows the line of the tower's walls Upwards past their actual ends And upwards to the eventual vanishing point In the blue morning sky. Red, Gold, and Green Red, Gold, and Green, the city stretches below. From his window in the highest room within the tower, The architect-in-chief watches the dawn wash over it, All the grays and blacks of shadows dissipating, Mists burned off by morning sun. He sees the cathedrals and the mausoleums, Spires and domes, parks and rookeries, Docks and dumping grounds, Centers of commerce and recreation, Malls and stadiums, slums and skyports, Office blocks and temple compounds, All the gardens and the ghettos, here and there are a few places that he recognizes As a building that has kept its place, A street that hasn't shifted, But the main part of it is utterly transformed. Raised in Evenfall and Hinters Night And raised anew at Daybreak, The city defies all reason, All attempts to grasp at any sort of certainty Within its structure. "'You should not blame yourself, Messire," The consul says. "'He tries not to,' But these three short years since his designs were made flesh, he has seen too much not to regret his actions. He remembers the man-to-man talk with the presidenti, how he'd spoken of the vast potential that these bit-mites might have as agents with autonomy. He remembers the months spent studying the strains, breeding for behaviors, virtually rewriting all the wired-in prescriptions of their natures, creating a whole liquid language for them to feed on, "'Drink and breathe as information. "'From automatic organs of reckoned reflex, "'their actions measured and meted out to them by their design, "'he'd watch them evolve into reckoning mechanisms "'to get the measure of a complex content, "'challenge the authority of a situation, "'and act on chances, choices. "'He—' "'You shouldn't blame yourself, messire,' the consul says.' but it was he who gave them their categorical imperative, the final, overarching rule that they could break their own rules. Without this, he was sure, all the modules of their simple sentience that he had adopted and adapted from innate responses would have amounted to no more than a cold calculus of survival. He had given them a reckoning of doubt and certainty, a sense of fear and fury, of desire and satisfaction, so that from these fundamentals he could build them a sort of cunning, nerve, and will quite absent in the mechanisms they began as. That, with the engrams that he had built into the language itself, should have made them the most potent combination of the autonomous and the automaton, soldier, and slave. For the creatures seemed to have evolved their own chaos of tongues, and now, in all the noise of it, in all the clamoring, the inhabitants and he remembers shaping them from clay with his own hands, have made themselves a rabble, a babble, scrabbling in the dust and rubble, too much trouble. You should not blame yourself, Messiah. The consul says, the architect-in-chief turns to his consul, caught in a snarled moment of confusion, for a second he feels looking out over the city as if the tower is falling, as if he is falling down into the world below. Out of the clear blue of the sky And into the reds and golds and greens Of the city of souls, Of dust and stone and clay and bone. The sense slips away, A daydream of some sort, Till all he can remember Is an image of his own hands, Slick with rich red ochre, Clay or blood. His brows furrow, But the reverie is too insubstantial, And all he has left of it now Is a rough shape, The bones of the memory Without the flesh, THE MELODY, WITHOUT THE WORDS. HE REALIZES THAT SOMEWHERE BETWEEN DUSK AND DAWN HE HAS FORGOTTEN HIS OWN NAME. THE DEATH OF THE NAME A SONGLINER SINGS OUT OF A GREAT TOWER THAT WAS TO BE BUILT AT THE COMMAND OF A RICH AND POWERFUL MERCHANT. NEGLECTING IMPORT AND PURPOSE FOR SIGNIFICANCE, THE MERCHANT SAW MEANING AS A SEARCH FOR PERFECT FORMS, A QUEST FOR ORDER, STRUCTURE FOR SOLIDITY. HE SOUGHT A LIBRARY OF DEFINITIONS, A MUSEUM OF RULES, GALLERIES OF BOUNDARIES, A GRAND HALL OF NAMES. SO HE CALLED BEFORE HIM THE GREATEST BUILDER OF THE DAY, DECLARED HIM ARCHITECT-IN-CHIEF, AND THE ARCHITECT-IN-CHIEF TOOK ON THE MOST AMBITIOUS OF COMMISSIONS. HE DESIGNED THE TOWER. HE TRIED TO IMPOSE AN ARTIFICIAL FRAME ON THE DYNAMICS OF INTENTION. TALL IT WAS, TALLEST BUILDING IN THE WORLD reaching up to the very heavens. But as the limit of the complexity of any system of thought is reached, that system must turn in upon itself, self-referentially, becoming convoluted, confused. So on the day it was to open, the tallest building in the world collapsed and fell. In the streets below, an ancient aqueduct turns through impossible shifts of perspective, its channel twisting up and up like a staircase until, Reaching its pinnacle, the fresh water comes crashing down as a cataract, Returning to the marble pool from which it pours. The songliner sings of the delimiting of delimitation in himself, The death of the name in a sinkhole of singularity, The self as infinite zero. What's your name? one of his lovers had asked him. He had turned to look at them both, laying there in the bed behind him, lazing in the linen. Well, he had said, Do you know how sometimes you had something from before, but you don't have it anymore? A shake of a head and a wry smile, then, You know you're crazy. He laughed and nodded. Yes, of course he is. His sense recombined in serpent swirls, The kinesthesia of attitude that forms the feeling of self remergent with his awareness of the world embedding it. How could he not be? Gifted the vibrant vision of we bitmites so he can give voice to it, he is almost one of us. Almost. We are inside all of the inhabitants of this city, but only he is truly aware of this, awake. And a name seems such an insufficient token for this chaos at his heart. This involution of the snake world, forever turning in upon itself, devouring its own tail Better a stretch, a yawn, a song, describe that circling line of identity as existence in the world. The room is shaped in shimmering tracers, like the hallucinations of an acid trip, like a 3D movie seen without the glasses, but there is system to his sense of it, An acid snake of sensual scheming, One eye red, the other green, Winds round and through his virtual world, Making a mandala substructuring visions With wheeling lights as chariots of aliens or angels. These are the underlying patterns In the structures of sight, Making possible the schizoid shifts That generate new concords, New themes forged from shapes and shadows, Forms and tones, Outside the sky shades from cerulean to azure to indigo, But in the skies of imagination there are no missing shades of blue. We're all crazy, he had said. His song is the binding and winding force that makes sense. An ancient power's grace and glory is palpable In every dancing sight and sound, or smell, or taste, and touch Of substance and of self. Ever made, the world is whirled into an intricate object of ecstatic wonder, Or an involuted maze of fear and fury, A mystery born in the collision of myth and history, Its inhabitants more gnomon than human. All of us, he had said. As notes in music, the themes of his song-line organize into a theme Ephemeral certainties of sight challenged by curiosity Eternal potentialities of sound imposed by doubt. In the build-up and release of tension, His story gathers import, gains integrity. Embedded in the world world, He is wrapped in rhapsody, In a harmonic cohesion, Meaning made from him in rhyme instead of reason. Tension, attention, intention, contention, He has always tried to savvy the full sense of a word, Not as a singular significance, But as the sum of the individual seems, All the other words made from the same root Morpheme aspects of a shattered unity, Meaning as a broken hologram, Each fragment containing the whole implicit But with only a fraction in clear focus. This is why we chose him to sing the world. Your world doesn't make sense, his lover had said. The world is what it is, he had said, No more, no less. But what it is, is subtle and mysterious. He stands at the window now, His song of the world and of its ending almost done, His song of the new beginnings just begun. Arcadia as a Tomb He comes out of the desert, a child of hoof and horn, A kid in lambskin, a thief and liar. A hellion of rebellion, accompanied only by the bitmite choir Which echoes the voices of all those who've lost their names in death, Of the whole history of humanity crumbled to dust. His own name is as forgotten, But he sweats and itches in a second skin of cowhide, Huddles and hungers under burnt black borrowed wings at night, And so, for all that he is lost, he lives He walks across a blank eternity, searching for anything as sentient as himself. But there are only us, we bitmites, who unmade the world in our attempt to satisfy all souls. To impose an artifice of order on the anarchist metaphysics of humanity's imagination, We sought only to give humanity what it desired, Not understanding it desires the end of enemies, Desired a war to end all wars, the peace of death. Now there are only us, we bitmites and a few dumb beasts, The chimera rumbling empty carts through the hinter, Guided by instinct alone. Hitching a ride far out into the sands of his dreams, He buries the bones of his own history deep in a desert dusk And sings a lament for it, a eulogy we build into a funeral pyre. He sees then, hears, He understands the weaving of our vision in his voice. A singer of souls, unbound, reborn, His words are fire, this devil in a crow with broken wings, And we are the answerers to his solitary desire. So in the absence of all others, He begins to sing, to sing an afterworld into existence. First, a brother. The carter he has summoned with a song Smiles at him from the seat at his side, Nods. He sings the road of all dust, The river and the ruins of the world he left behind. He sings a mountain city carved into rock itself, Painted in the silver of the moonlight, In the crimson of his blood, And the grey of mist. He sings it cold and gold, its colours tainted on in deep gilt, in bold strokes, across hard surfaces. He sings of crows over cornfields in a turbulent sky, in the burning high heat of a storm swirling low and slow towards him. He sings of cherubim and seraphim, words whispered on a heavy air. He sings of two ravens nailed to a wooden post before a farmhouse porch and door, one thought, one memory. He kneels down to taste their blood, To strengthen his song with reflection and remembrance. As he rises and walks on now, In his song he carries the souls of all those he has ever known, Or ever will know, or will never know, And carries them with him into eternity. Follow me, he sings, Ubashits, suabids, Beaked Egyptian answerers, Follow me out of the illusion fields of toil, Of scattering illusion grain, And gathering of illusion seeds, Follow me into the city of empire. Out of the billowing cornfields Of the carcass and the carrion crow, Out of the silver sea above, He comes, this song-liner, Like a lost slave hunted, a stranger haunted, Into the empty streets of the city of time. Souls are the stones on which this town is built, Souls are the frescoes on its walls, And statues in its plazas, Souls its domes and towers, Balustrades and colonnades, And golden books of ours. This is the eternity sought by humanity, Built from its dreams by us, Arcadia as a tomb. Into Arcadia he comes to be its death. Titans and gods arise, he sings, And so they do. Shamash shines on the date palms of Inanna, Tammuz walks in Thermidor Through hanging gardens of germinal and floral green. Even death, death is a ridden, rich in red as clay, In creature made from ash and blood, Dissolved in flood and reshaped by human hands. Myth is unbound, a burning man of wooden soul, Clay skin carved in with crimes and reckonings, Unleashed, unloosed. ALL EMPIRE FALLS, AND THE REPUBLIC RISES ONCE AGAIN. THE GREAT DEMOCRATIC city states RISES ROUND HIM, STONES THROWING OFF SLOW SHACKLES OF SOLIDITY, OF ETERNITY, FOR THE SUBSTANCE OF DREAMS, FOR THE mortality OF SYMBOLS, OF ARATA. THE TOWER WHICH RISES OVER THE CITY, OVER EVENFALL, AND OVER HINTER, THE TOWER OF ALL WE EVER WERE OR WOULD HAVE BEEN WERE WE NOT DEAD, RESOUNDS, STONES SHAKING, QUAKING. To his song. And away across a wait, A dream so long and now anew, Awake in the singer's song, We wind as his words round a tower, Reaching for the sky and falling, Falling always and forever, Falling always and forever Into joys and sorrows of the hours, Into the flesh of days, Into the words shaped on a singer's tongue, A tower of all the bones of morning. Falling always and forever into the glorious confusion of the world.
2: Our thanks to Hal for allowing us to record this story, as well as to Seth for all of the time and energy he put into recording its tricky wordplay. We pursued the Tower of Morning's Bones during the earliest days of far-fetched fables, and were finally able to purchase the podcasting rights due entirely to listener donations. This episode shows that every little bit allows us to produce great audio for our listeners, so please, consider making a donation on the District of Wonders Patreon page. If you'd like to share your thoughts on this or any of our stories, you can leave your comments on the Triple F website, our Facebook page, or on Twitter. We love hearing from our listeners, and we want to know your thoughts on our content. As always, please leave us a review on iTunes, Acast, and other podcatchers. My personal thanks go out, as always, to my editor, Gary Dowell, and our audio engineer extraordinaire, Mark Zanfardino. Please remember that Farfetched Fables operates under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License, which means you can download the content and share it all you like, but you can't change it, and you can't sell it. And please be sure to give credit where that credit is due. And all other copyright remains that of the authors. Violators will never arise out of the night into the morning. I have a cup of tea waiting for me in the other room. I'm going to go and wrap myself around it on this cold, windy day. I'll see you all next week. Bye now.
0: This presentation has been brought to you by The District of Wonders Network. Dedicated to podcasting the finest genre fiction. You can learn more about the District of Wonders and their many literary productions at their website, www.districtofwonders.com. Thank you for listening. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.